This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Got a lot of wild content coming up in just a little bit. Nick Benino, Wild Center, will join me. He's going to play in his 100th career playoff game Tuesday night against Vegas. Quite a uh, quite a run, quite a journey for Nick Benino. Won a couple Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. Brings a ton of playoff experience to the Wild and was a important player for them in their Game 1 victory on Sunday. Also be joined by Sarah McClellan. She'll help me set up the entire Game 2 um, Tuesday night against Vegas after, again, that big one nothing overtime win on Sunday. What should we be looking for in Game 2 based on what we saw in that game? Both of those people, Sarah McClellan and Nick Benino, will help set that up. But first, what did I miss? We got to do this. We got to do this something different today because we can't keep grinding on the Twins. We can't keep saying, you know, how can't keep breaking each of these games down in, in a way that gives them individual meaning. They lost 16-4 to the White Sox on on, on Monday night. 16 to 4. The uh, you know, the the biggest controversy at the end being should uh should the White Sox batter um your man Mercedes should he have swung 3-0 at a pitch that was less than 50 miles an hour from Williams Asadio uh where she crushed over the center field fence for a home run to make it 16-4 two outs in the ninth 3-0 pitch I don't know I don't really care to be honest um I don't know if that's playing the game the right way quote unquote or not I don't think pitching a utility guy is necessarily playing the game the right way. I think if you're going to throw a really slow pitch like that, it deserves to get hit. Maybe don't become a, a joke at this point in the season. That, that's that's probably what I would say about that. But that, that's not what I want to talk about by and large today. I think there's an interesting moment that kind of encapsulates the twin season. TC Bear tweeting, please send help, send help, please. Um, you know, that, how did the... How did the Twins become, how did we get here was, was a question I was just asking myself as I watched that game last night. So I'm kind of, I'm going through, you know, the old, uh, you know, old box scores, just kind of looking how, how did this season get to this point? Because, you know, you get to 13 and 26, you've lost two out of every three, you've lost the season series of the season so far, two out of three, that's a, that's a pace to lose 108 games, forget about a pace to win 100 games. That's a pace to lose 108 games. So how did we get here? I keep asking myself that. So I'm, I'm going through it. And I'm like, okay, remember that at one point they were 5-2 and two this year. Um, even even after blowing the opener this season, they were 5-2. and two. They lose 1-2 to, to, to Seattle. They lose to Seattle. It's five, they're 5-3. and three. Then they lose the next night. They're up 6 nothing. They lose that game 8-6. Um, 6-5 in the ninth. Cole May gives up a three-run homer. So you're 5-4 and four at that point. Um, next day's games are postponed. Um, the Dante Wright police shooting, the Derek Chauvin trial is going on at that moment. Those games are postponed rightfully so. Absolutely was the right thing to do. Um, but that's a moment in this city. Uh, I think, you know, if you're living in the city, if you, if you are a citizen of the twin cities, if you're in that moment, uh, that's, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing to see what your community is going through. So that add that layer to what the team is already going through, which is, you know, some tough losses, biggest loss. I didn't even mention at the start of the season, Mike Bell, your bench coach dies of cancer. Um, you know, 
just days before the season start, incredibly sad um, and impactful to your baseball team, both from an emotional standpoint and a practical standpoint, because he was Rocco Baldelli's right-hand man in the dugout helping make some important decisions. Five and four, you've got the delayed, you know, the, the postponed game. You come back the next day, you lose. The next day you play a doubleheader against Boston. You lose both those games. Same day, and Dalton Simmons goes on the uh, the injured list for COVID. So now you're thinking, okay, our, is, is our season going to get shut down? Is our season going to get you know delayed? Am I going to get COVID? That, maybe that's a question you're asking yourself if you're a Twins player. They've gotten some, they, they, a lot of them had gotten uh, a vaccine um, not too long before that, but you know probably not fully inoculated at that point. Those that had gotten shot, so you maybe maybe worried at the very least about the season getting getting postponed. They go out west. Um, they, they managed to. I think they managed to win one against Boston somewhere in there. But they go out west. They lose to the Angels. They were actually up three two in that game, but they lose ten three. Another bullpen meltdown. Then the season gets paused for three games because enough guys get COVID. They're worried about contact tracing again. A hundred percent the right thing to do. But another weird thing in the season. They come out of that. They get zero runs in a doubleheader against Oakland. They get awful awful 13-12 loss where they they commit two unseemly errors in uh, in that game they're 6 and 11 they come home they're bad again the bullpen keeps melting down they're they're worried about this and that they maybe have a little bit of a stretch in there where they get back to 11 and 16 but then it all falls apart again and here we are 13 and 26 the injuries the tragedies the things that are on people's minds all of those are part of it but the part of it part of it too is just a team that maybe wasn't put together the right way and has underperformed in a lot of ways. So there's a lot of a lot of factors that have gotten this team to a moment that the Tortuga was pitching in a 15 to 4 game against a division rival on a, on a on a Monday night, a beautiful Monday night in May when the season already feels lost. But here's the thing. We we can't keep wondering what's wrong with this team. They're just bad. They're flat out bad. There's no more we can we can look at the why we can we can analyze you know I've analyzed pitching and are they throwing too many sliders I think that's all perfectly valid but the, the final analysis is they're just a bad team so if you are going to watch baseball and specifically Twins baseball for the rest of the summer you need to recalibrate and maybe I managed to do this in a very strange way yesterday driving this is even before the fifteen sixteen four game driving. Um, on my way back from picking up groceries, I'm by myself. Very rare uh, these days. Uh, no, none of my three kids are in the car with me. My wife's not with me. I just went to get groceries by myself. Um, picked up, uh, you know, picked up all the things we needed. Driving home, listening to uh, listening to the radio and uh, listening to the current, as it were. And uh, you know, just had been flipping dials. Found a found a song. I was like, ah, oh, I kind of like this. So it turns out it was a Noel Gallagher song, you know, formerly of Oasis. Shout out to Ben Gessling. We have a long-standing thing on Access Vikings podcast where uh, I, I insist that Blur was the better Brit Brit pop band of the uh, '90s, and he insists it's Oasis. But anyway, I like this song. I'm like, okay, this is this is good. I'm, I'm gonna tech. I texted Ben about it later, actually. Um, and the next song comes on, "Run the Jewels." Loved it. Hadn't heard it before. Loved it. Never would have. You know, you don't usually hear those two songs back to back. But hey, love it. Third song comes on. Robert Palmer didn't mean to turn you on. Like, I hadn't heard that song in 15 years. Don't love that song, but you know what? In that moment, it was perfect because it was a surprise. I love surprises, and in this day and age, we don't get a lot of surprises, right? We, we kind of know everything. We're, we know what to expect in a lot of cases. So those three songs in a row, 
that to me is how I'm going to watch the Twins the rest of the season. Just be happy for any pleasant surprises the rest of the way, but go in with zero expectations. That's the only way you're going to get any enjoyment out of the rest of the season if you want to watch baseball the rest of the year. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery today by Nick Benino, um, wild forward. Nick, um, memory serves and research shows um, Tuesday night will be your 100th playoff game. I don't know if you remember your first, but... What, I guess what I want to know from you is what do you, if you remember that first playoff game, what do you learn between one and 100 as, as you're kind of on this, you know, journey of understanding what the playoffs are all about? Yeah, I do. I do remember um, that year I'd played, I think, 26 games uh, in November and December. And then I was sent down and I didn't get called up until the playoffs. I played games uh, two, three, four, and five. Um, I think we played Nashville actually with Anaheim and, uh, yeah, I mean, back, back then I wasn't, you know, playing, playing too much. I was more, um, you know, an energy checking, um, just kind of getting a taste of the playoffs. And I think I've learned over the years, just really how hard it is to win, how, how long the playoffs, uh, are the, the, the toll it takes on your body, the mentally, physically, um, it's tough. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy to, uh, you know, to, to be playing my hundredth game tomorrow. What did you convey? What do you convey to teammates who maybe, you know, have limited or even, you know, none, you know, Kirill Kaprizov going into Sunday's game and never played in an NHL playoff game, at least what, what kind of information do you convey to them to try to adequately describe what, what the jump is like? Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, never an NHL playoff game, but I feel like when you're in the NHL, you've played in some big games, some big moments throughout your career, whether it's for him, he's playoffs in Russia for guys, it's, um, it's world juniors. It's, it's, uh, you know, junior playoffs, it's college playoffs and stuff like that. So I think everyone's had a taste of, of a big stage, obviously doesn't get bigger than this, but, um, I know my, my message mostly is just, uh, emotionally just, I think that's where games are won and lost with, with your team, uh, just, just staying focused, whether it's, you know, a first period like we had yesterday where, um, we looked a little bit maybe with some plain legs and um, we got awesome goaltending and uh, came into the, the locker room and just completely turned the page, came out and played two different periods, played two great periods and, and then won in overtime. So I think uh, in the playoffs, a lot can happen and um, whether uh, you know, it's, it's shift to shift period to period, game to game. And I think keeping your head um, as straight as you can and, and even keeled and going with the flow um, is very important. You know, is that the most important ingredient? I mean, you've won, you won two cups with Pittsburgh. Is that the most important ingredient in a playoff run? Or is there one, you know, single ingredient that you can identify as that this is the thing that you need to have? I think, yeah, I think you have to control your emotions and uh, you need confidence. I think, um, you know, the teams that win are the teams that, that execute confident plays, aren't just chipping it out and chasing it all game um, because you, you almost want to do that. You don't want to screw up. So um and that, that being said, everything's magnified in the playoffs. Mistakes are magnified. Um, face-offs, block shots, getting pucks in, everything's magnified. Everything's more important. Um, they can cost you games. So, um, you know, you make a mistake in game seven of the regular season, 
it might not hurt you, but um, in the playoffs, everything can come back to bite you. So as a team, just staying focused, staying uh, even keeled and, and um, having each other's back. When you win game one on the road, it gives you a real opportunity. Not that you, you know, not that you're just satisfied with that, but how do you kind of seize on that momentum and say, you know, we got a real chance. If we win this game, we, we put ourselves not only in a good position, but in command of a series versus, you know, one, one is a satisfactory split going back to Minnesota. Yeah. I think, um, you know, just approaching the game, uh, as a whole new thing, I think the forgetting that we're up on nothing, um, you know, we, we enjoyed the win in the locker room after the game. Obviously, we were pretty excited um, for the team, for Talbs, for Ecker. Uh, they both played awesome. And, um, you know, turning the page on that, coming up today, getting a little workout in, and then, um, yeah, showing up tomorrow and and, and uh, acting like, you know, nothing happened. Yeah, have you seen Eck more excited than that? I, I don't usually see much of emotion out of him. I know, that was awesome. He, uh, I, I almost beat, I think I beat Broads into the pile and he was on the ice. I was so happy. Uh, so I think, um, yeah, just, you know, I, I, you've seen him get the puck in that spot a bunch of times this year and he always seems to score. So I had one leg, I feel like I had one leg over the boards when he got it on his backhand. I just felt like he was going to score. So um really happy for him. You, last thing for you, you got great goaltending, like you said, from, from Cam Talbot, the other guy on the other side, Mark andre Fleury, someone you're very familiar with from, from Pittsburgh. How do you keep trying to solve him and, and get more than one past him in this next game? Yeah, he's, he's annoying. So many good saves last night. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you play with him, he, he talks a lot on the ice and anytime someone makes a block, you know, he's, he's cheering, he's, he's going, woo, he's, he's happy. Uh, I loved it when I was playing for him. Now it's uh it's killing me. He's making some, uh, some amazing saves. He, I don't know. I saw a stat. He's played 15 consecutive playoffs. He's played games. in, so, um, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. One of the best goalies of all time. And, um, it seemed like the goal we scored last night was, was how him or Talbot was going to be beat last game, just a, a bad bounce. And, and, uh, that's what we needed. So hopefully we can, uh, solve them a bit more next game, but, um, you know, their goaltending over there is pretty good. Nick Benino, thanks so much. Good luck Tuesday night, and uh, thanks for joining Daily Delivery today. Thanks a lot. Joined today on Daily Delivery by Sarah McClellan out in Vegas. Have a feeling you're going to be hearing a lot from her over the next, I don't know how many weeks. We'll see. Wild off to a really good start, though, in this best-of-seven opening round series against Vegas. They took game one, one nothing on Sunday. Game two, thir- game two, Tuesday night in Vegas, a chance to go up 2-0. Sarah your thoughts on kind of what it's going to take to, you know, now that Vegas has got to have a little bit of desperation and then what's it going to take to, um, you know, not just perform the way they did in game one, but take it to another level and, and try to take this back to Minnesota with a two, nothing lead. You know, I don't know if the wild would want to change much. You know, I, I think that was probably a really solid blueprint of, of, you know, how to outlast the golden Knights. Um, you got perfect goaltending, <laughs> pretty you know, pretty sturdy, clean defending, you know, a strong PK, obviously the power play, um, you know, came up short on a couple tries. Um, you know, I guess the, the biggest issue or focus, I guess, would be the offense, but, you know, one goal to obviously winning game one, but, you know, there, it could have been a lot more. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury was spectacular. He made, you know, a number of saves, a number of saves in tight um, had one save where his hand was behind his back and he still managed to catch a piece of a, of a shot just, from Kirill Kaprizov. So just showing off at that point, geez, you don't see that every day, but 
you know, maybe next game he does, he isn't that acrobatic. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he doesn't get a piece of the puck. So, you know, the, the quality of chances I think were there. It just, the execution wasn't. So if those, if those attempts are still there in game two, you know, maybe they go in and, and, and it, it's a different vibe or a different feel to the game. So, you know, I, I think the one thing too, it, it's maybe going to be trying to get more in the inside, get that four check going earlier and more consistently. Obviously that was, that was an issue in the first period when the wild was hemmed in its own end. It just was icing the puck, struggled to win face-offs to just, you know, get the puck to begin with and try to organize a rush. So I think those are kind of the building blocks to eventually getting inside the paint, getting inside, um, you know, the Vegas defense in that line of sight of flurry and, um, you know, try to create rebounds, try to get on top of rebounds. That's how this team has scored in the regular season consistently against Vegas, particularly flurry by crashing the crease and kind of wreaking havoc that way. Um, so I think probably a little bit more pressure on the inside, but, you know, they still were getting looks. It was a one nothing game, but when you really break it down, it, it, it could have been, you know, three, four, um, you know, goals for the wild. And um, so, I, you know what, I, as a road team, when you don't have that last change and you don't always get the matchups, I think, you know, game one was obviously, you know, probably a pretty solid template to build off of, to try to, you know, obviously sweep these two games and go back to Minnesota in a comfortable position. Yeah, and they're playing, not to borrow a gambling Vegas term, playing a little bit with house money when you win that first game. You can, you know, not that they want to change things, but probably allows them to think, hey, we could pressure them a little bit. We don't have to worry. You know, we, we, we know we can defend. We know we know kind of how this game can go. Try to get a goal early, something like that. That could be the, 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 way, to, uh, the way to switch things up just a little bit in game two. Game one was very physical. Um, is that a sustainable thing over what could be a six or seven game series? Is that just what they should be expecting for the rest of this? I think so. I think that's the expectation. I, I don't think Vegas is going to ease up. Um, you know, if anything, they, they might get more physical. And, and I think the wild is probably expecting that probably got to be ready for that and probably has to dish it back. You know, obviously the game one was a little bit of a different look. Um, you know, for the wild against Vegas, then, you know, how the regular season series wrapped up. Ryan Reeves was back in the lineup. He missed a chunk of games to end the regular season due to injury. So he's back. He's obviously, you know, their big rugged forward who finishes his checks is just, you know, an intimidating physical presence out there. And he had 10 hits in the game. So he, you know, he fulfilled uh, his, his job, his responsibility, you know, having said that, it, it's it's not like he cracked the game open. You know, I don't think he necessarily affected the game one way or the other in terms of like, you know, creating scoring chances for Vegas and, and, and you know, making the wild kind of fumble in its own end. But I, I think it's to be expected that it's going to stay that way. And I think, you know, for the wild too, you know, playing that way, that's how this team plays well when it's aggressive, when it's finishing his checks. Um, and when it can be, you know, engaged along the boards on the four check, you know, I think that's something to look for in game two a little more is just a little bit more cycle play down low, um, you know, kind of creating um, havoc along the boards to get the puck, the puck to the front of the net. So I, I don't think it'll go away. Um, you know, I think that's still going to be the case. And, you know, I think obviously Reeves sets that tone for Vegas, but um, you know, Jordan Greenway, he had 11 hits 
Um, in game one, Felino, Marcus Felino had 10. So the Wild obviously also has the personnel to sustain that style. So Kirill Kaprizov even threw his body around a little bit, which he will do. He's not just, he's not a finesse uh, not a finesse player. Uh, he can, you know, he's got skill, but not just not just finesse. But we didn't talk about him a whole lot coming right off of Game One. We haven't talked about him yet here. Felt like he played a good game though. I, even though he didn't get on the score sheet, it didn't seem like the moment was too big for him. Not that that should be a surprise based on his rookie season, but was that the the sense you got and the sense in the locker room? Like, hey, this this guy didn't score in his debut, didn't get an assist, but that was a solid debut, and and you know maybe bodes well that. They already won a game without getting any, you know, goal production from him, but that could come in, in future games here. Yeah, he didn't look overwhelmed by the stage at all. And, and you're right. I, I I think he has obviously multiple dimensions to his game. Like the first shift of his, you know, NHL playoffs career, he, he lays out a big hit, you know, like so I, I mean, you know, um, or no, sorry, actually a block shot. It was a block shot. And he had a hit, I think, later in the first period. So, you know, he's obviously, you know, bought into being, you know, what this team needs when it needs it. And whether it's a block shot or, you know, a big hit, he's provided that. And he, he didn't look out of place doing that. He still had, you know, arguably the best chance of the night. That wasn't a goal. Um, you know, obviously split the Vegas defense to go in tight on Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, who made the save, you know, with his glove from behind his back. So, you know, he still looked very much like a dynamic presence who, you know, if he got some open ice could, could make something happen. Um, I think his line with Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello was, was the steadiest that the wild had. I think they generated the most. Um, and, and, and that bodes well, considering, you know, like you said, they didn't score and the wild still won the game. So I think if they keep those chances up, especially with, with Kaprizov being involved, um, you know, I, I, I could see obviously that line being a big factor in this series. Do you think Vegas is frustrated at this point? Is it too soon in the series to be frustrated by, you know, you didn't score in game one, you lost your home ice advantage or something you worked hard to get this season, but what, what, what was the sense you got from maybe the other side, even though the wild is the team you cover? Yeah, I think frustration is, is probably appropriate. Um, you know, this was a team that until a few nights ago was, you know, kind of careening towards this West division title, the president's trophy for the best record in the NHL. And then obviously Colorado swooped in at the last game to take those titles away from Vegas. But I don't think that discredited or changed the fact that this is a team that has lofty expectations that expects to, you know, potentially, you know, contend for the Stanley Cup as soon as this season and, you know, maybe meet Colorado um, in the next round and, and really have a head to head, you know, matchup for this, you know, West division. So, you know, I, I, th I think this was, you know, in some sense, a little bit of a setback for them, not, not only just, you know, losing the first game of the series, but, you know, this was a team that, you know, is supposed to be this high scoring, fast, tough to handle team. And, the wild like it has throughout the season found ways to contain it and you know keep Vegas obviously off the scoreboard having said that you know this is a team too that's not at full strength obviously Max Pacioretty didn't play in game one he's been out with an upper body injury um, he's a top line player for this team so um, obviously if he gets back in that adds a new dimension for that offense and maybe you know 
changes up the lines a little bit to, to give Vegas the definition and balance it probably wants. And, you know, in a scoreless third period, you know, in game one, the Golden Knights are switching their lines. They're trying to find obviously something it looks like to click and they just didn't get that. So, yeah, I, I think frustration and, and now probably, you know, being cautious to not fall behind two games to nothing and, and go into Minnesota um, you know, obviously where the wild has played Vegas well, just like it's played them well here in Las Vegas. So game two is going to be pretty critical for the Golden Knights to kind of, I think, establish the direction of the series, but where that team is at too. Like you mentioned game three back in Minnesota on Thursday, not getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, if they, if they can take game two and you know, what you saw in game one doesn't make you think it will be easy, but also doesn't make you think that that's a, a impossible hill to climb. Like this is a team that they are now what six and three against this season. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of those games were close. The, the one of them was overtime or shootout in the regular season Four of the five regulation wins now, or actually this was overtime, but you know, four of the five, you know, that, that didn't go overtime in the regular season or this one, you know, was one goal. It's a close. These are close games. They're playing with them, but they're finding ways to, win these games. I mean, sometimes you just have a team that you match up well with. And I think we even talked about this a week or two ago as we were kind of cycling through who they might play, whether it's going to be Vegas or Colorado. This just seems like a team that, you know, if, if maybe I can leave you with the final thought and you can expand on this, just for whatever reason, this is a team that the wild seems to have good matchups with and a certain amount of confidence against Would that, is that, fa- is that fair to say? Yeah, and it's been this way ever since Vegas got in the league, which, you know, maybe is to an extent a little bit surprising because obviously the Wilds personnel has changed, you know, in, in those years over that time. You know, it's a new goalie, um, you know, new new forwards, a, a little bit different looking defense, but yet it just for some reason finds a way to have success against Vegas in Vegas as well. Um this is, this is a tough building to play in, you know, even, even now when it's not at full capacity, there was, you know, over 8,000 fans in the building on Sunday and it's loud. It's intense. Um, you know, this is, I think is an arena that's getting one of those reputations in the NHL that like, it is tough to go in there and in the regular season, pride two points away. Um, and, and obviously in the playoffs to win as well. So, you know, the wild just doesn't seem faced by that at all. Um, I think for this season in particular, you know, it, it sounds so cliche with, you know, the way that the wild, you know, is just kind of business-like and, you know, banks one win and moves on to the next and just kind of flushes it and moves on. But I got that same vibe after game one from them. Like, you know, the stakes are different, you know, it's, it's playoff time. It's Vegas, which is obviously a team that did terrific in the regular season, um, second, narrowly missing like the division title, but it just doesn't seem to matter. I think the wild knows who it is, how it has to play. Um, and you know, the fact that it got rewarded for that in game one, I, I think probably only continues to validate and give the team confidence that, yeah, it, it can hang with Vegas. And, you know, I, I think especially getting that result on the road. Um, you know, should probably only set the team up to have even more belief and optimism the rest of this series. So it's two teams that, you know, it's not exactly that they play identical, but I I think what's key to their success 
you know, is similar. It's that, you know, straight north to south type of hockey, get the puck in, go to work. Obviously, two teams built around, you know, solid, tremendous goaltending. We saw that with the clinic that was game one. So, um, you know, I, I think it's just a matchup that, you know, two, it's it's entertaining hockey. It's competitive. And I, I think players kind of feed off of that, too. So I think we're seeing that. And I'd, I'd expect it to only continue the rest of this series. Looking forward to game two for sure. Tuesday night, Sarah McClellan, thank you for joining Daily Delivery today. And uh, I imagine I'll be bugging you multiple, multiple times, um, depending on how long this journey lasts. But I appreciate it. Uh, Take care. All right. You too. Let's end with the cooler. Bummer for the Gophers and Ben Johnson. Parker Fox, one of their incoming recruits, transfer from Northern State, tore his ACL. Um, out for six to nine months where that leaves him for the season, you know, kind of is in question, I guess, at this point, six to nine months is a timetable that's accelerated. It sounds like to me for, you know, for an ACL tear and meniscus problem, but could potentially, if he's healthy, get back for, you know, conference play next season. But Ben Johnson's going to be shorthanded next year regardless. And that's not something that he needed to hear. That's it for today. Chris Hine joins me on Tuesday's show. We're going to break down, Wolves end of year stuff. Their season ended Sunday. They had a whole bunch of media availabilities uh, right after that. So we're going to talk through what is left to be done for this team, which is significantly uh, quite a bit for a team that did finish 23 and 49. Also, we'll have plenty to talk about from game two of Wild versus Vegas tonight on tomorrow's show as well. Thanks for listening to Daily Delivery, and we'll see you again tomorrow.